0: You're listening to Halfway There, episode number 240, Shea Watson and Conquering Shame, All Things Are Possible in Christ Jesus.
1: Are you stuck in your office spinning your wheels? Is it time for you to get away from your business so you can focus on the business, maybe a retreat? I'm Katie Horner of the For Your Success podcast, and though my husband and I started out in full-time ministry, living well below the poverty line, our six-figure business now gives us ministry opportunities that far outweigh the ones we had in full-time ministry. Join me and my husband, Tap on April 30th at the Get Out of the Boat Christian Business Virtual Retreat to recharge your batteries and let us show you how fun it can be to walk out your faith in your business with joy and confidence, because doing the business that God created you to do can be your best worship. The Get Out of the Boat Christian Business Retreat is April 30th from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. and you can attend from anywhere online. We can't wait to see you there. You can get all the info and register for your ticket right now at GetOutOfTheBoat.com.
0: All right, well, hey friends, welcome to Halfway There. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about Today's Christian experience. We really try to get behind the scenes of what is it like to live a life with God today. I'm your host Eric Nevins, and I'm so glad that you're here. This uh, this episode, yeah, you know, I, I just uh, I said I said in an earlier episode, uh, or may, maybe soon to be episode, that we've passed about two million podcasts, um, which that just happened recently. And I every time I think of something like that, I think about the the people who have downloaded my show, like you. And I think, hey, this is such a huge privilege because there's a lot of shows out there. There's a lot of Christian shows. You could do a lot of things, but you downloaded halfway there. So thanks for being here. If you if you want to, uh, you, if you're blessed by this episode, tell somebody you know about it. If it comes up in conversation, just let them know. I would really appreciate that. Today, our guest is one of my podcasting friends. I, he's got a great story. He's He's got a lot of interesting um Things going on. He's also a podcaster. He co-hosts with his wife. That's called the Pantry Podcast. Uh, he's a minister and teacher of the word. Um, so husband, father, biomedical engineer, technician with the U.S. Army. So I bet that's interesting. And uh he's a vet. So I can't wait to hear all this his story about how God uh, uh you know got into his life. And uh he's going we're gonna hear that now. So our guest is Shay Watson. Shay, welcome to Halfway There.
2: Man, Eric Nevins, it is a pleasure to be here. So honored uh, that you would even ask me to be on.
0: Well, you're welcome, man. I hear good things. And uh, I know you guys uh, you guys have a top notch show, which is really cool as well. The Pantry Podcast. What do you guys do with that? Like it's it's sort of a sort of a I don't know. It's not it's not a food podcast. It's like a but you you have a thing with that. Tell me about that.
2: Yeah. Um, the pantry podcast, we're serving up spiritual nutrition. That's you know, it. What is in your storehouse? What's in your cabinet? What's in your pantry? Um, is it a bunch of junk food or is it something that's healthy and good for you? Uh, kind of the, the play on words for your heart. What's in your heart? You know, what's, what are you putting into your heart? And I, we really believe that, um, with Jesus Christ in our heart that we align and we be, we come into a place where we're being fed and nourished and flourishing.
0: Yeah. I love that. I think that's, Really powerful. You know what they say, junk in, junk out, right? So yes. you gotta you gotta do that. Although I'll be honest, I love nothing more than a bowl of ice cream at night. That's that's my favorite. Well, I mean, we got <laughs> we got some junk in our pantry too. <laughs> I love it. Uh sometimes sometimes it might be metaphorical, but that's good. Yes. Well well, so anyway, Shay, I love that. And that that's really cool. Um, and I'm sure we'll get to, to more of that. I want to hear more about your stories. I want to go back and let's just, let's just hear. Where are you from? I'm not sure I know.
2: So I'm actually originally from Colorado. Hello. Oh yeah, that's right. I was born in Cortez. Uh, When I was young, we moved up to Inglewood, Uh, went to flood middle school. Then I moved out to Aurora in my high school days with my father and went to Aurora Christian Academy.
0: Okay. That's good. And what kind of family was you a Christian family or no?
2: Um, At the time,
0: Part, part of it was Christian
2: <laughs> so my upbringing before high school was non-christian upbringing and then my dad found Christ and so through high school I had exposure to God to Christ and then of course my grandparents uncles and aunts and all that were all believers
0: okay um so but this sounds like you weren't not at the time
2: I didn't I didn't start believing in Christ till I was in high school
0: okay how'd that happen?
2: christian school so i always knew god existed (laughs) yeah i never had this i never had this doubt that my grandparents were right or wrong you know i I didn't fight that in fact i sat there almost in that position of adam in the garden where he's shamed um and when you think of that probably because of my my younger years the shame would definitely be a a part of that and so wait what does that mean so i was molested when i was eight years old okay Um, my parents had separated in a divorce uh, my mom was dating a uh, married man. And so they would send me away, give me money to go to the mall to play in the video arcade. And I was exposed and taken advantage of for a whole summer. And
0: well, wow.
2: kept going back. And I think that is where the shame, inst- uh, you know, kind of settled in. And the shame became kind of my my identity. It was a shame. You know, the world had had put its mark on me and I blamed myself, never told anybody about it and kind of live life that way for a really long time.
0: Okay. So yeah, that's interesting. Right. So, I mean, the, the shame piece, right. That, so that really comes in as a, as a, as a piece to your life. Did you tell anybody like what happened? What
2: never, never told anyone. I, I kept it to myself. I think I went through a lot of identity issues. No, I did go through a lot of identity issues. Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, I, I believe in the enemy. I, I know the enemy exists. And I believe the enemy was there from the beginning. You know, you go to middle school and all of a sudden your best friend starts calling you Shea gay. And this just happens mm. to be the year after the summer of the molestation. And, you know, your willingness or not willingness, but you're, uh, they, 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 they take advantage back then. It's a willingness. You're thinking of it from a kid's point of view. There was this willingness to go back to this man and keep being yeah. exposed to this. Um, and then of course, when you get older wow. and you go through the therapies, you learn that, you know, that's not really what it was that you were being taken advantage of.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. So you, as an eight year old, you try to make sense of that.
2: Right. It was it, and there was no sense to be made. It, and so I just walked. I, I walked that way. But see, I always walked in that identity of of fixes. I, I like that word. I like fixes um, that can range from addiction to you know, accolades or that can range from alcoholism to needing someone to tell you how good you are. And so that is kind of the life I led, you know, going from a broken home into molestation and just being lost and and angry and 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 not knowing who I was. And that was the life I lived. But you know, you move through that and you start to learn that when you do things right, people kind of lift you up. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, oh, good job. Good job. And that becomes like a drug. It becomes an addiction. You know, you want to be told you're good because you feel so horrible inside.
0: Yeah, were you seeking affirmation?
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I needed affirmation. I needed, I needed someone to tell me I was good because I didn't feel good inside.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, so how'd you find Christ?
2: So in high school, I'd listen to my grandparents. You know, I my dad had remarried and they started going to church. I kind of did that defiant kid thing and said, "Hey." I want to go live with my dad because I was living with my mom at the time. It was reckless. It was wild. It was, I could do anything I want. I could run anywhere I wanted to go anytime I wanted to do it. And I got angry one day and I said, I want to go live with my dad. Well, you know, you look back now and it's like, God at work. It's like, okay, you need to go live with your dad. So I went to live with my dad. And of course the, the stipulation was you go to Christian school, you go to church on Sunday, you go to church on Wednesday. Now, granted it was assemblies of God. Um, It was very to me at the time, religious, Mm -hmm. you know, you sin, you go to hell, um, (laughs) you fall, you, you know, you, you come up short, uh, you're not, you're not in a good position with God. And so I kind of took on the opinion that I wasn't good enough to stand in front of God. And so I kind of just ran from God and, and hid from God. But at the same time, it was like, no, but I, Jesus, I, you know, I want you, I, I know you exist. I know the Holy spirit exists. I know God exists, but I'm not good enough for you. And so you sit in this twist. One side says, "Yeah, he exists. He's all this," and the other side says, "But you're not good enough." And so I, I went through high school that way, and I wanted to escape, and that's where the I ended up going into the military. But high school was awesome, man. Look, high school was awesome. It was football, basketball, baseball. You know, uh, show choir. <laughs> oh, by the way, I sing y'all. Just, <laughs> just throwing that out there. If y'all don't know it, uh, I sing. <laughs> uh, I, I act. Uh, I did all the things that a person could do to get the letters, to be told they were good, to get the certificates. And that kind of kept me going, you know, you're good, you're good, you're good, you're good. But I also lived in a home where my father loved, loved me. He still loves me and he loved me, but he wasn't raised, you know, in a good home either. So he didn't know quite know how to show it. And so I never got those accolades from him. So I was always seeking accolades and I was always seeking, you know, encouragement from a father. Yeah. And that, those things just weren't there.
0: Yeah. That's so interesting. Right. Cause a lot of times you just want, you know, to, to be, did you find yourself wanting to, to get like you, you got the letter or whatever it was. And you just wanted that like, Hey, you good job. Right. You are, I'm proud of you. Right. That thing. That's one of those things that kids need from a dad.
2: Yeah. It, it and you know, I look. I think one district championship. So, okay. I play basketball too, y'all. just, so if you guys ever want to sing and and get on the court, let's go, let's go. (laughs) All
0: right. If I'd have known all this, I'd have started out by calling you the multi-talented Shea Watson. All right. (laughs) But uh, I scored
2: like 44 points a game in districts. And in fact, if you look it up in the Colorado uh, history, uh, I I think I still own one of the records for district playoffs. Uh, And I was told that I could have rebounded better. There wasn't yeah. like, oh my gosh, check it out. Oh wow. No. It was like, he could have done more rebounds. So that was kind of the examples. But he loved me. I, I don't doubt that. It's just he didn't have the expression to show it. So I was, you know, I wasn't finding it at home. So I started seeking it elsewhere. Um, and and that would be where I started meeting up with the wrong crowd. And I started wanting money and I started selling drugs, and I got arrested. And I happened to have my daddy's a cop, guys. And uh, I happened oh. to have his pistol on me at the time. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah.
0: Okay, this is in high school? Yeah,
2: this is the end of high school. You
0: said high school was a great time. It, it was, and then you got
2: out of high school. See, right there at the end, <laughs> you're transitioning out. You're like, yeah. what are you going to do with your life? You've got some scholarships, but then there's a summer, right? There's a summer. and And you just, but you want to be told you're good, and now you don't have that. So you just, you know, good, it doesn't necessarily mean you're doing good. You know, it just means that someone say, oh, yeah, what's up, man? You're yeah. Right. Yeah. Good job. Um, So it's it, it wages and it waged over into the darker side at that moment.
0: OK, well, so tell me that story. Like what happened?
2: So I I, I ran into some guys uh, that were selling drugs. they were making thousand a week. And wow. I was like, what? Thousand a week. I, you know, I, I had some basketball scholarships that weren't going to pay much. And I was like, wow, that's a lot of money. And, you know, you're coming out of high school and you're like, man, I want to do things. I want to run around town. I want to have fun and, and, you know, buy things. And so I got hooked up with them. I went to a house, uh, dropped off some, some stuff. And as I was coming out, it was like cops, man. If, I don't know if it, you know, the younger generation. I don't know if you've ever seen cops, but it was like they swarmed in. Like guns, blade. I mean, like just ready. They they came in from all sides. I was about to get in the car. I got thrown around, thrown on the car, throw you know, handcuffed up, and then taken to jail. And and then I had to face my policeman father from the jail cell. It was it was very very interesting.
0: Oh okay. yeah, describe that moment. I want to know. Like take us there. I can <laughs> oh, my, feel it. Just give it. Yeah. yeah. No, it's like you're <laughs> you're sitting in
2: a jail cell, and you're like, my dad's a cop. Oh, my gosh, I had his gun. I'm already, a you know, I already feel like a screw up. I already feel like the most horrible person in the world because of, you know, the childhood thing. And it, it stuck. It really did. And now you're like, man, I just I just wrecked everything. I, now I'm sitting here. I, I wrecked it. Um, not knowing what you're going to do, how to get out of it. You know, you're thinking a thousand things to say and there's just nothing. There's no words to tell your father when he comes in and, and, and says, son, what are you doing? by the grace of God though and you don't look at this all the time but you know you when you look at that time you're like thank goodness that judge knew my dad and was nice yeah you know, or or you know like or that judge was nice and and so I got off on a misdemeanor for carrying concealed weapon and I joined the army that that was my my kind of deal you know it was like okay you know go to the army and there you go you know we'll we'll just kind of t- take care of this <laughs> so my life started in the army by Reckless decisions.
0: Wow, interesting. Well okay, was it was a part of like a punishment or was it just like you're it was like look, you're it gonna do like something. You, you need to do this. You need to do this. Your dad thought you need some discipline.
2: Well, I think everyone in that courtroom said I needed to do this. <laughs> <laughs> and so I did it. Uh and I did it. And you know what? The best and some of the worst eleven years of my life. Mm. Um best being i found that niche again you know you go to you go to boot camp you go to you know you stand in front of the drill sergeants but see i'm that i'm that guy now you know i want to i want to make them happy i want to make them you know i want to make them like, like I, just, I don't want to disappoint no one i want people just to have this good impression of me and and just think i'm good and so everything they said i'd do um, if they told me go run 400 miles i'd go run 400 miles okay y'all, i never did that but i'm just saying yeah that was my mentality and and you know what it did Good job, man. Look at Private Watson. Wow, man, he stands above. Oh, he's so good. He's doing this. He's this, 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 this. He doesn't mess up. He listens to what we say. And so the Army became one of those easy fixes for me because I I was athletic. You know, I could complete what needed to be completed. I could take the tests. Of course, I joined the infantry. So, I mean, hey, y'all, it's not like this, you know, mathematical (laughs) testing and all of these things where I got to have Uh, calculus to understand something but no um i joined in the infantry i I was good at what i did um i excelled in that i moved forward in that and i just kept moving up in the ranks moving up in the positions of how we fought war um and i ended up uh part of the elite and went to war a lot uh Hmm. saw battles
0: what was that
2: like that's tough yeah it's tough. Um, I might be that odd guy. You know, a lot of guys come back beating their chests. Uh, I went to war, and I don't know how much of that is a real feeling or, or how much of that is just boistering, you know, posturing up, prideful. But you see things. You see horrible things. You see death. You see blood. You see carnage. You see people who are going through rough periods of their life because you're in someone else's country. Um, so you have what I would call the oppressed or you have oh. the political or you have, you know, there's all kinds of accolades or there's all kinds I'm sorry, there's all kinds of, um, titles you could put there, but you see hurt, you see pain, you say anguish. Um, and I think because maybe I was molested and I still had this, you know, there was emotion there. I had a lot of emotion. Um, and I think I saw it differently, and I and I saw it harder, and it started to have an impact on me. Um, I was good at it; I was really good at it. But I started to lose the fear. Um, sounds weird, you know. The Bible says, you know, have no fear, and all, you know. Uh, but in in war, you you need that that level. You need to be level. Um, and when I say that, it's like you can't just go half cocked and go. You know, yeah. it, it's gotta, it's gotta be some, some reserve. And then that reserve, sometimes it's some of that, that, that kind of fear, that challenge or that, that unknown. And I started to lose that and I started to have other issues as well. I started to have nightmares, delusions, and flashbacks. Um, and Of course, in that, that's where the kitchen thing comes in. I cook all the time um, because mm. of that, because I would come back from war and my only sanctuary was the kitchen, you know, the dicing, the cutting the, the the herbs, the breaking it apart, cooking it. But war was tough. War was hard on me. And I think it's hard on a lot of people. Oh yeah. And and so I I kind of broke and that took me into my next transition. So now the, that, well, that that that
0: Well what that happened? How unfolded. did you break? Like what tell me tell me that like like you know did so it, did it happen overnight like said, or
2: was it like just one event that you just were like n- it was progressional in some of it. Um, I would start to see things on the, when we would be deployed or even back in the rear, I would start to see, I would look over and, and I would see blood on somebody or, or I would lose periods of time. Uh, so flashbacks is where you are reenacting, um, things that you've experienced, um, and you lose moments of time, you might be in your bedroom and the next thing you know, you're outside. Um, And so there was moments like that. I also started to really not care about life. And so I think that is where the, the no fear was coming in. I would just be deployed and without a care. And I think that when I started noticing because I started to have all these other things that I was risking my men, that is when I had to make a call. And that was a time in my life that was hard. And I said, look, I had to go to my leadership and say, look, I'm breaking. I, I, I need help. What what'd they do? Well, so I went to Lundstuhl. So I ended up in Germany at a uh, psychiatric uh, hospital ward um, for temporary holding for, for them to do an evaluation on me to kind of figure out what they wanted to do with me. That brought me back. So I spent some time in Lundstuhl, but I was kind of on the lockdown um the questions of do you want to die, do you want to kill yourself? you know i I uh or do you want to harm others? It's like I didn't care if I lived and so they they and I said, but i I need help, and so they sent me back to Walter Reed Army Institute Research, which is where you live now, so in the d c area okay, and I spent two years um going through both medical evaluation um therapy, and also being locked in sometimes because they didn't know what to do with me. Wow. It was, it was, it was a very, uh, solemn moment of my
0: life. Yeah. Okay. So where was God for you during all that?
2: A hint, um,
0: a shame maybe
2: because I didn't live a life that I live now. I'm not saying that, you know, I'm all high and mighty now, not at all, but I think I was always running. So when I would do something wrong or I would get drunk or I would sleep with this person or that person or chase this or chase that or do this drug or do that drug, because drugs were in there. Mm. Um, they were they were kind of a reprieve as well. Um, but it was always shameful, when I after the after effect was always shameful and I always was looking to God and saying, like, like, I just can't be in front of you. I'm not good. I'm not worthy. My identity was just crushed.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so it sounds like you had just a, so again, there's a lot of shame and and it's interesting, do you look at that and go that started when you were a kid, when you were abused or was it like and then just kind of never like just continually got trampled down or how do you look at that?
2: I think my identity was lost as a kid. Yeah. Um and then the the identity where I could have found who shape who God wanted who who god wanted shay to be Mm. um because it turned into what i thought the world wanted me to be or needed to be and so that was my whole life um trying to please trying to be that guy you know the guy that everybody thought was put together the guy that everybody was cool with um or the guy who had it, you know, just had it. You know, the car, the house, the the place to live, uh, you name it. It was all in material, worldly things, my identity. And so every time a bottom would fall out, I had nowhere to go. Um, it was just void. It was just black. It was just dark.
0: Mm. Okay. So you were at Walter Reed for a couple of years. That's a long time. Were you, like, staying there? Were you, like, how, what was that like? So for the first... I'd say six to eight months, I was uh,
2: locked down on a psychiatric ward Okay. Um, while they did their evaluations and tried to figure out how to medicate me to help me um, get through the flashbacks, the nightmares, and the delusions. Um, The rest of the time, I was in a medical holding company there on on grounds. Um, Basically, that's the company that holds you until they decide what they're going to do with you, the Army. Mm. And I came to a point where they were like, okay, look, we're going to take care of you, but we're going to get rid of you. We're going to retire you, but you got to go.
0: Um, yeah. that's interesting your language too, because, you know, this is like the army owns you, right? When you're, when right, you're right. in, like they, you say what, they try to figure out what they're going to do with you. That's because you're theirs. So.
2: Yeah. You raise your right hand and that's, you know, yeah. you just, <laughs> I belong to you. Uh, And, and I think those words probably crushed me the most. And so I fought to stay in because. I felt like that's all I knew. Who am I? You know, I'm, I'm I'm a guy who knows how to fight wars. I'm a guy who knows how to go to the battlefield. I'm a guy who knows how to pull the trigger or or blow this up or, or shoot this kind of gun or jump out of this airplane or this helicopter. What, what am I going to do in the real world, especially knowing that I'm messed up and knowing that I would never get a job with, with some of the companies who work with the Army or, you know, the, the armed forces doing the stuff that, that I was doing? And I was like, where am I gonna go? And and I think my world fell apart. That was one of the times that my world really, really fell apart. And I got and that's where I really got deep into drugs and alcohol and uh just didn't have a care to live.
0: Mm. Okay. Were you suicidal? Did you feel like or I I think I put
2: so much drugs into my body mm. that 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 it was like I don't care if death comes. Yeah. The amounts the when you look back at the connections, it's amazing the connections that you made. And this is not prideful. What's or or or, or like I'm not pr- lifting this up at all, but I was always near people in the top. I was always near people who would be like, "Oh, just give me a couple, uh, give me a hundred bucks, man," and they just dump coke in your lap. Wow. Or or crack or meth or whatever, and and I would just ingest and take and smoke and go and go and go and and really every time I come out of that and this is outside the army pretty much I was released, but, uh, it was, it was one of those moments in my life where uh, if I died, I didn't care. And so I guess suicidal, um, maybe, I mean, I think I could claim that as, as one of those things. Cause if you don't care about dying and you're doing things that could kill you, then, you know, I, I would, I would classify that in the suicidal realm.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, but you're, you know, not still there. So what happened?
2: <laughs> so that was my first step, and so basically, my sister took me in. Uh, I got out of the hospital. She lived here in the Arlington, Virginia area, and that would probably be my first glimpse of someone who represented Christ, um, who would sit there with the worst of the worst and say, "You know what? I'm not giving up on you. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna reject you." Um, there was times that my family would tell her, "Look, just let him. Let man kick him out. Put him on the street." don't take care of him. You know, he just, he just messed up. Let him learn by being on the street or whatever. And she, she refused. Um, mm. And and she kept me. I'm really interested in that. Like what, what did that mean to you? It meant so much. Like it meant the world actually. Uh, I, I'm not saying that she's, she's Christ, but she was a beautiful representation when you look back of how someone who has Christ, who's Christ centered, would really care for, for the worst, for the most broken. Cause I was, I was, I was broken and and I stayed broken for honestly another 13 years from there. Wow. But, but, but she kept me in that moment and, and I had a boss. So my job came in, the biomedical engineering job came in at the same time. I got out, I had this job, but I had a boss who was special forces and he was like, I'll give you a job. Well, because of what he did and what he knew and what I'd gone through, he was very gracious as well. Mm. You know, I, I would run out of sick leave and leave and he would be like, well, I love you. I'm not going to fire you. I'm just going to no pay. Do you, do you? Yeah. And so, you know, he kept me on. And then that carried me into my next segment of life where I met my, my second wife, believe it or not through this whole army thing. I was married once. Um, I didn't throw that in there, but yeah. I was married that whole time. Uh, to a woman who actually abused me, stabbed me with scissors at one point in my what? life, and then hit me so hard in the nose one time, it was broken. I had a surgery to put it back in place. But, you know, I don't I don't bring her in all the time, but that was another portion of that. And I actually had cops come to my door sometimes and say, Shay, Sergeant Shay, Sergeant First Class, look, she's going to kill you. <laughs> she's going to kill you. And And that doesn't happen very much in domestic. But anyways... But all that carried into the, uh, my second wife, which is the wife I had been with the longest up to that point, which would be um, 13 years. And, I mean, she she knew I was in the drugs. She knew what I was doing. She was in the, you know, we were going clubbing together. That's how I met her. Um, but she wasn't into drugs. She would drink a little bit. And when she said that we were, you know, when we decided to date, she was like, you got to stop this stuff. You got to quit doing the drugs. And I looked at her. And you know what, that fix, see back to that word, the fix, Mm -hmm. you know, the fix. I looked at her and said, okay, I can do that. But unfortunately she became my fix. She became my next drug. Uh, She became my next platform in life. Yeah. And uh, so we, we stayed married for, for 13. We were together 15 actually. Um, We went through a lot. We were a couple that people would look at. We didn't you know, blow out all the time. I mean, we, we'd have fights, you know, marriages have fights, but we are also that couple that people would look at and be like, Hey, we want to be like that couple. But when I look back at it, no, you don't, you don't want to be like us because when our bottom fell out, we had no one to turn to. Mm. Um, We had ourselves and we went through eight miscarriages um, together in the fourth and fifth month. And I want to say this because it hurts us too. It hurts men too. Yeah. And I'm not going to take it away from, from the women. That's not what this is about. But it's just as painful. Um, I remember buying the first time little baby shoes. And I brought them home. And the idea was we were going to, you know, kind of sh- send them to our parents, you know, and and tell them that we were pregnant. And we did that. And then the baby died. And uh, we went through that eight times. And then that. Um, she started to to go down as well, which is understandable. Our marriage, you know, it was it was founded on ourselves. Um, we we wanted to love each other the right way, but we didn't. Um, and so, she started to to want to get into the scene of the drugs, and she wanted to start, you know, bringing that into the house. And I had to put my foot down, and that would be in 2013. I was like, I if you bring that back in the house, I'm dead. Um. I, I'm not going to make it through another round of drug addiction, and uh, so 2013 December, right after Christmas, she packed her bags and left.
0: Okay, so so you uh, that's a whole lot uh, that is a lot, but I'm so <laughs> I'm I'm processing that. So like you went and so like because of this relationship, you gave up drugs, you kind of broke that drug addiction, right, and then your relationship disintegrated because of them or like, part yeah, of the, partly. Yeah, right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they should disintegrate over a lot of things, but yeah, sure. The final, that was that final push. And I think God was starting to talk to me at that point. Mm. Um, really like I, we even tried, I was like, Hey, we should, we need to go to church. I felt it just crumbling and I didn't know anywhere else to go. And I know my mom was in church now, you know, my whole family was in church. Everyone's praying for me. You know, I would go home and hang out with them and go to church with them. And, and, you know, every time that I would get in there and I'd start to sing, you know, the worship songs, I felt a presence. I felt something. I felt like I was I was starting to get this connection. Um, and I knew that I needed something other than than what could be out here. And we would we tried church. Um, we started going a little bit here and there. And and I finally I, I just knew that I just couldn't walk that road again. I couldn't go back into to I, I was tired. I was so tired of turning to, to, to things to cover the pain. I was so tired of turning and just having a coverage alcohol, whatever it was, pills, it didn't matter women. Um, I, st- I just didn't wanna, I didn't want to put a band-aid on it anymore. I wanted a fix. And that is where I think no, that is where my mind started to, to travel to more towards God. And then the finalization of that, because 2014 January is where I ended up back in church, um, was New Year's Eve on on 2013 2014. I took an Ambien. If y'all don't know what that is, it's a sleeping pill. They give them to us when we travel overseas to help with jet lag, so that we can get back in the mission or back in the field. Because I still travel, y'all, for the for the for the government. Um, and I took an Ambien, drank a couple beers, and I thought I went to sleep. And I woke up at a friend's house that's about forty minutes away. Oh wow. And I woke up sitting in a chair, kinda of like you guys don't see it, but like I like I am now. And he was sitting across from me. He's my friend, double double amputee uh veteran, uh, just an awesome guy. And he had a pistol sitting on his chair. And I woke up, kinda of looked over, and he's watching me. And I was, and I look at him, I said, Why do you have why do you have a gun? He goes, Reach inside of your hoodie. I reached inside of my hoodie and I had my my nine millimeter. Oh wow. And he was like, he said, I sat here all night watching you, but I, I need, I was like, but I'm going to be prepared. <laughs> and wow. and, and uh, I saw something that night too. He was like a guardian, you know, that just sat there and watched over me. And I went home that morning and I opened my laptop. I said, I can't do this anymore. I need church and, or, or I need God. I need, I need, I, I just need to, I, I need to do something different. It was more of a God, I'm done moment. Like fine fine you know what you 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 show me something and i opened my church and found the church that i'm in now and it's greater grace christian fellowship and i heard the grace message the finished work message mm-hmm. not religion not you sin you go to hell but no you can be sweetly broken and christ is going to do a work in you
0: yeah man i love that um Okay, so you finally decided to to turn away. Yeah, that's interesting with the with the ambient. You hear stories about that, right? Like that stuff is like
2: oh, that online buying thing.
0: <laughs> oh, that stuff's yeah, that stuff's not Have you good. Ever heard of that? Like no, actually, people, people buying stuff take, because they're yeah.
2: Oh, they'll take ambient and not even know,
0: and they go online and just do a shopping. That's store. horrifying. Like, what are you right, doing? And you're you're like running around with a firearm. Oh right, my gosh. Geez. Okay, all right. So that scared you, right? And you're like, whoa, what are we gonna do? Uh, and so you turn, you turn to the Lord, you finally hear the gospel, I think as a grace. Yes. Do you, was there like a moment or was it like, like you just like, what, what happened?
2: Actually, I started going back to the religion side of things and I was like, no, you'll lose your salvation. And, and I actually, I study a lot. Y'all I, I, I love, I used to study other things, but I just love history. I love all kinds of things. Uh, I like, I like knowledge, uh, and so I started writing a paper. I also write. And I started writing this paper about how you can lose your salvation. And I, I think in that first month, with all, it was like the messages were perfect. Um, the Bible studies were perfect. The Thursday night prayer was perfect. All of the messages kept telling me, no, you can't. I would write something down on paper, and then they would come in with Bi- Bible verse and say, no, you can't. And I'd study it. And so before the whole month was done of January, this long, like, four, two-page paper, Turned into one last sentence that said, yes, you can lose your salvation. And I erased it. <laughs> and I erased it. And I was like, no, I, I can't. Um, had one little one little backslide in February. Ended up uh, overseas. Um, of course, you know, you're learning this whole trying to do the right thing uh, game. And you end up in the same crowd that you were in back in Africa. Because this is in Africa. I went, I, I've been going to Africa for 20 years. Um, I ended up in the same crowd, the drinking crowd, the party crowd kind of slipped a little bit, did some things that I, I should never have done. Um, and I came back though. And when I was coming back on the plane sober, um, I, that was on one of the moments where it wasn't a show me God, but I need you God. Yeah. I need you God. And then that carried into that weekend um, Saturday. Cause I usually get home on a Friday, um, Saturday night. I had a dream about Christ. Um, Christ being crucified now I've been through a lot p t s d um molestation uh abused husband or man you know abusive relationship um miscarriages, loss of you know watching people die in front of me um a lot of pain a lot of anguish that I had that was pent up inside of me, and I got a brief synopsis I feel like the Lord talked in that um call me crazy, call me whatever, but I really believe that he was showing me something. He was showing me what Jesus took on on the cross when he took on all of the sin, both past, present and future. And I felt an anguish that I had never felt before. I felt something that was so much more than what I had ever experienced that I crawled out of bed crying and I knelt down on the ground and I just said, you know what? I'm yours. I'm yours. Um, Went to church that day. You know, Jeremy Riddle, I found a song called Sweetly Broken. Uh, Beautiful song.
0: That's a great song.
2: Yeah, it was it was my anthem they for there for me too, man. For a long for a long time, and and I went to church. I came home. I'm pumping it. I get inside my my entryway, and and I collapse in, into my apartment. I'm just crying and I'm bawling, and, and I'm just like Lord, I, I just need you. I, I don't need anyone else. And I clean myself up. I get up. I go around to my kitchen, and, and to this day, I mean, I say it's God. I say it's it's whatever it was. All of the dishes that were in my cabinets had fallen out and were on the floor. Oh wow, all of it. Yeah, it was it was the the weirdest moment when I sat down, kind of defeated, like. And then God said, "No, no, no, get up." I felt this. It was it wasn't that audible voice, but it's that urging. You yeah, know, yeah. You know, just get up and clean this. You know, it felt clear though, and I cleaned it up. And and He said, "Now look at this," and I looked at a floor that was perfectly clean. You know, there was no glass, there was no shards. And He said, "That's what I. That's what I've done for you." Wow. And here's the, here's the thing I always laughed about. There was one plate, one glass, and one bowl. It was like, it's me and you, buddy. And, and so, you know, I went through a rough patch with, with the divorce that that year. Um, There's no reconciliation. I, I, I tried a few times. Um, it didn't work out. But the whole time God was working in me, that's where ministry started coming into play. That's where Bible college started coming into play. That is where my life just started to, to just change and, and just focus on the word of God. And listening to the word of God, um, I, I don't want to go back. I don't want to feel how I felt. I, I love the identity that Christ has given me. You know, when I think of of this, I think of like in my distress, I prayed to the Lord, and the Lord answered me and set me free.
1: Mm-hmm. I think
2: of those things, and He did. He set me free. I have there. There was a weight uh, number two in that PTSD delusions, nightmares, flashbacks, completely gone. In that night of surrender, completely gone. I never experienced another one. I have not to this day. took something away that was, that was holding me. Yeah. Um, Has, has he taken everything away? No, (laughs) but Hey, we're a work in progress and, and I just love, love him. Yeah. He's done. Uh, got to marry, you know, got to meet my wife, uh, through greater grace as well. Uh, got a beautiful little girl, which is just amazing in, in, in that story. Um, because you know, you, you have eight in heaven and then now I hold number nine in my arms. Wow. Uh, And I look down at her and it's just a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful showing of how God works in ways that we would never understand. In my mind, I would never be allowed to have that if I had the same mentality that I had in my past. I didn't deserve it. I did. You know, I didn't earn it. But God said, no, 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 you don't need to earn it. I've got you. And I just worked in that. So.
0: Yep, I love that. I think that's one of the most beautiful things, right? That we don't have to earn God's affection; we we already have it. Amen. Uh, he He loves us, which is which is you know, it it's just it's hard to understand, but it's amazing. It's beautiful.
2: Yeah, I I don't we'll never I don't think we'll ever understand the magnitude yeah. of that, but we get those beautiful glimpses. You know, he he's like taken us positionally and put us back in a place close to the garden. Um, and if we can, if we can just unpack his word and I'm not saying theological debates and knowing all the theology, I'm being honest, Eric, I, I read those systematic theology books mm-hmm. and some of it, I'm just like, uh, eh? and then someone like, <laughs> oh, okay, I get that. And then someone like, uh, eh? I'd have to read them like two, 200 times probably because oh, I also do have traumatic brain injury. So I don't always have the, the capacity to hold knowledge, but for some reason, the word of God sticks. Yeah. Um, interesting. And, and it's amazing just that he works in me in that way. And yeah, it's it's been, it's been good. It's been challenging. It's still challenging y'all we're in ministry. It's, it's, it's not always an easy game. Um, and trying to figure out the church compared to what you're used to has not been an easy game. So, so into that, you know, kind of thought we were talking about before we got on, it's just, I, I, I don't always understand it because I was so used to camaraderie. I was so used to, you know, men coming together and I'm not leaving the women out, but I'm just saying for me, men coming together, being together, fighting together, living together, you know, doing things together. And then you get into to church and it's just, it seems so hard sometimes to build that relationship. And, and, and I, you know, I'm, I'm not giving up, I'm not done. I'm going to keep trying. But uh, that's just one of those areas that yeah. I, I, I look at and I'm like, wow, we need to come together more.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. It, it, Obviously that's a little hard, been hard the last year or so, but yeah, it, it, it totally takes, it takes community, right? It takes, it takes community to walk, right. walk together. And I'm just not convinced, you know, the part of the thing that I love about your story is your vulnerability, right? And that to just admit, Hey, I'm, I'm broken and it's Jesus that put me back together. I don't, I've never understood why the entrance kind of, you know, exam is to admit that you're sinful and you need to, you need Christ. Right. And then, uh, after that, we all just put on a mask and pretend like we're just fine at church. Right. That's right. not how it is. That's not how it is. And so let's, we got to be real with each other.
2: Maybe that's my problem. I'm, so, I'm, so, I'm very open. <laughs> and, 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 but you know, there are some relationships that are forged. Yeah. Um, but it but i think and i think there's a lot of other aspects because the area we're in and you know the expense and, you know, people trying to make a living, cut a living, you know, especially, you know, and, and this is and I'm not just saying COVID. This is something that's been going on for like seven years trying to get men together. I don't know if anyone out there has really successful men's groups. Hey, man, hit me up. Maybe you can give me some pointers because I actually lead the men's group. And and I try, man, let's go camping. Let's go fishing. You, let's do other things. And
0: <laughs> Yeah. You know what I think? Yeah, exactly. It's that stuff. Right. You got to do the stuff yeah. that that just, yeah. and you have to have that sort of spirituality in the middle of the other, th- other things, you know, I have a buddy who I go fishing with. Yeah. Um, and look, I'm not a fisherman to be honest with you. I don't like it. I never catch anything. And if I did I really don't know what to do with it, but <laughs> I'm out there cause I live in Colorado. Right. So we go up to a, some mountain Lake and, and hang out for a day and I get to put a line in the water and just, you know, it's peaceful. But the beautiful part is I'm hanging out with my friend and then, yeah. you know, the couple hours up or and down, whatever, we get to hang out and talk and, have lunch together. And that's, that's a good time. And that, and that's where, and we're always, you know, going back and forth and, and helping, you know, helping kind of direct each other to, more toward Christ. So that, that's, and that's beautiful. That's awesome. yeah. That's, that's the way that works. Um,
2: okay. And, and good fishing, by the way, uh, you know, oh. Colorado boy, come you
0: know, on. totally, but I'm bad at it. So I don't know, <laughs> like I'm working, <laughs> we went three times last year and I don't think I caught, and maybe I caught one fish and then, this year, we're going to plan to go every, like, once a month. So, we we plan to take a day. I block it off my calendar, and we go up, and and uh, it's worth it, I think.
2: But yeah, anyway. My my grandpa used to say, you're not catching your fishing. Uh,
0: anyways. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm never catching. Uh, cool. Well, so. Shay, tell me about, you know, you you mentioned the podcast earlier, what you and Michelle are doing. And I think that's great. You guys just did I want to mention this because I thought it was really cool. The Watson takeover with uh, Amy Watson, who's been a recent guest or will be soon. Um, and uh, Marcus Watson, who uh, you guys are all in CPA, which I think is super cool. Not related, but y'all have the same name. I thought That's that kind of a cool thing.
2: Yeah. I, I really enjoy so podcasting and, and, the world of podcasting, I will say in the last year with everything that's gone on, um, it's been actually very edifying. Mm. It's been actually building. Um, we communicate with one another. You know, we might not, not be able to communicate with everybody. There's like a whole bunch of people in CPA. But we do find those people that we we start to connect with and have communication with. And the Watsons are awesome. Um, the stories that they have, the 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 victory, how Jesus was the center point, and the things that they've been through. Uh, I think it was just one of those 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 moments where it's like we have to do this. We have to show, and, and everyone had a different level. You know, you've got the level of healing, you've got the level of of you know someone still going through something, and you've got the the level of someone who had to you know stand when everyone else wasn't standing with them. And it was just beautiful to see how God worked in each of those stories, how God becomes the champion, how God becomes our victory. Um, Christ is just so like, I think the problem I have with some people is I just love Jesus so much because of everything that he's done that sometimes I might come off like a little religious to people like, ah, like super, like so super spiritual. No, that's not it. I just have that fire. Yeah. And, And I think that's where the transition came into. So, you know, Everything that we do at church, the the podcast wasn't a we're going into COVID and we we should get a word out. No, Michelle and I had started talking about this in like January and uh, we were going to roll out. You know, my wife, if you all don't know her, is like just phenomenal with like like media and like all of the things, building websites. And now nah, I'm not shoot, shouting her out right now, but I'm just saying she just knows how to roll something out. You know, yeah marketing aspect that's and cool. we we're like oh this big rollout to may right we we're gonna drop in may that's our wedding anniversary and COVID starts and it was like the lord's like start now and like in her in her ad she's like but i'm not ready uh-huh. but we just went we just were like let's do it let's let's go we you know we've been called to do this and he's telling telling us let's let's put out some encouragement to people because this is going to be long this is going to be rough and people need not just the 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 believers but the unbelievers need to know that there's hope in something else we do on our podcast definitely challenge the believer and it's not from a a religious point of view or that we're trying to beat you down it's because i am yeah i'm gonna say this i am tired i am tired of seeing us the believers looking like the rest of the world i'm so tired of it what what is an attraction there. And I know the Holy spirit works and the Holy spirit will take who the Holy spirit needs. He'll knock on the right heart. But as believers, there's a, we're supposed to be light and salt. We're supposed to be light and salt. We're supposed to be seasoning. We're supposed to be something that's attractive, man. Mosquitoes should be, you know, just, just coming towards us. Uh, Because, and I'm not saying that, you know, we're just Jesus, 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 but we're loving people. Right. We're, we're we're showing kindness. We're showing compassion. We're not bringing out statistics every time, you know, something in the world falls apart or, you know, watch like, you know, recently, I know this is just recent, but it's like, yeah, OK, there's so many aspects to some of the things that go on. Notice I didn't drop what was going on, but people should be aware. But there's so many different sides and so many different stories. But where's Christ in all of it? Yep. You know, where's Christ? Where's the love in it? If someone is hurting, if your brother is hurting, and 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 maybe they're wrong or maybe they're right, it doesn't matter. They're hurting. They're hurting, and that's where we need to be as believers. And so our podcast really does challenge people to that. You know, are you believing in a government system or are you believing in God? And 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 I know I'm not perfect at it, but I I don't sit on a side now. And maybe it's the twenty something, thirty something years in the government service. I look. Don't always trust them. Yeah, <laughs> I just right? don't. I just don't think that's my best answer or my best game plan. And when I look at First Samuel eight, I kind of hear that. You know, uh, you know, if you don't know that, look it up. Go out and read First Samuel eight. Um, we ask for leadership, not God, and and now we go through the things that we go through. So,
0: mm, I love that. Well, I definitely think uh, your podcast, you're doing some great work and it's good. So friends, if you, you're probably in your podcast app right now, and I know you're doing something else, driving or cooking or, you know, um, doing the dishes or something, but when you get a chance, flip over there in your app and subscribe to the pantry podcast Shay. thanks for sharing some of your story here. I really do appreciate it. It sounds like God's done some amazing things uh, for you. And um people can find you. What's your what's your guys'
2: website? www.thepantrypodcast.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, The Pantry Podcast. We're also on Gab, the Pantry Podcast. Uh we're on every platform that we could put the Pantry Podcast. So
0: that's great. Just look for it. And uh is there anything you want to leave us with? Trust God. I mean, trust God. Love love people
2: have compassion for people, have care for people, speak truth. Um, And I think that, you know, we're all going to be better for it.
0: Absolutely. You know, you never know what people are going through, but Jesus does and he wants to redeem. That's what he's doing. I I read the other night in our group, um, Revelation 21, you know, where he says, I'm making all things new. I just love that's the promise. That's the one we, we live with. Shay, thanks so much for being here. Hey, thank you, Eric. Appreciate your time. Mm